Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, in five, four, three... Two and one. What's up, everybody? This is yet another episode of Life in English. I am your host, Tony Kaizen, and I am here yet again with Dr. Healy. You know, it's good to have you back, sir. How you doing? Good to be back. What's going on? Very good. Not much, not much, man. Uh, So I got you on the podcast today to talk a little bit about your experience in the military, because before you worked in education, you basically spent the majority of your life in the military, you know, so... Figured you could share a little bit of your experience and your expertise with us today. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll do my best. <laughs> experience is definitely expertise. Uh, that's going to be in the eye of the whole. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, um, let's start at the beginning, really. How old were you when you first joined the military? Oh, uh, man, I was 20 years old. 20, 20 years, years old, like fresh out yeah. of high school. Pretty much, pretty much. And which branch of the military did you join? Uh, obviously, with my response, because there's only one branch, uh, that would be the United States Marine Corps. Marine Corps, okay. And just for anybody who doesn't know that much about it, can you what what is a branch of the military? Because in a lot of places, military is military, right? Got you. So in the United States, there's four branches and then a stepchild. So the branches are the Marine Corps, of course. Then you have the Navy, the Army, the Air Force. And recently, uh, recently within the past say, 10, 10 years, they've added the Coast Guard as a branch of the military. It was not at first. It was a Department of Transportation. But you actually get uh, military service credit for Coast Guard. And you say military service credit. What does that mean exactly? So um, every year you spend in the military, you get, uh, if you wanted to work for the government, there's points assigned to that. So you, if you spend five years in the military, you actually have five years of government employment. Uh, as a government employee oh so it goes towards like your retirement or something like that or oh yeah definitely retirement but if you wanted to go from let's say from the marine corps to the post office from the marine corps to tsa or homeland security those are all government jobs so you you would get credit for the years that you spend in the military it's almost like uh like tenure or seniority or something exactly there you go okay okay i see 
So 20 years old, man. And why did you decide to join the military? I should have started with that. Well, you know, I was I was done with, you know, with playing around and running around and, you know, kind of get my head right. And so my dad, as your grandfather, is a retired Marine. And I figured if I could go in the Marine Corps and become, come out with some of the self-discipline and focus that he had, I'd be a success. So I enlisted for three years. But I'd do three years, get out, get a job, and keep it pushing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's so, not what happened, but yeah, <laughs> we'll get into later, that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, what what was so special? You think that back then what was in your mind the difference between joining the military and university because i know you saying your father was in the military and you thought if i could be a man like him that's good but what did the military have that university lacked at that time well i mean really if if i look at it you get a paycheck you get your own place to live you got your own medical, your own dental, your own, own life insurance. You're making your own money. And to be honest, the way I was raised, I mean, it was my my way of, of protecting our nation as well. But again, the ultimate decision point was making sure, because, again, I hold my father in high esteem, uh, coming out to be the type of man he was. And again, as I grew up, he was a Marine, mm-hmm. right, until he retired and he went on and did other things. But it was just that persona that he provided, uh, the family leadership, family protection, you know, nurturing and taking care of the family. And I just, I thought that's what a man was. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so I wanted to, I wanted to be that guy. How did they react when you told them at 20 years old, I'm joining the Marine Corps? Well, uh, your grandmother, my mother, she cried. Um, and my father, he was very stoic. Um, he instantly, yeah, he didn't he didn't respond at all. He didn't laugh, cry, yell, anything. He mm-hmm. just kind of kind of stared right through me. I guess he was trying to see what was in my heart, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, so if I may back up for a second, I didn't tell them until after I enlisted. I didn't tell them I was enlisting. I told them I had enlisted. Um, so that was probably different than most people. Oh, hey, dad, I'm going to join the military. Now, nah, dad, I joined the military. Um and then he wanted to talk about what I was going to face and gave me some helpful pointers. And on my way, a week later, I was in boot camp. I didn't want to wait. You know, I don't want to wait the summer. And now nah, let's go. Let's get it on. Let's, mm-hmm. let's get this life going. So why did you decide to join first before telling them? Uh, because as I grew up, my father made it very clear that he had done enough time for everybody in his family. Nobody needed to join the military. Mm, he had, basically, he had paid it for. He felt he had paid it forward, you know. And again, um, understand the military. It's not a nine to five job. There are times when you got to go other places and do do things, and you may not come back alive. So, mm. uh, I believe, and after talking to him years after years, I can you know strongly say he didn't want anything to happen to any of his kids, especially his boys, because I don't think he ever expected any of his daughters to join the military. Right. You know, his his boys may have thought about that. And in fact, three of us did. Well, one joined the military. The other ones, you know, they just went and did some stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Now they joined the army. Two of my brothers joined the army. (laughs) So tell me, take me to 
Actually, before we get into what boot camp is and what that was like, what is the process for an American citizen to join the military before you get to boot camp? So uh, if you're 18 and you've graduated from high school, you can go take a test. It's called the ASVAB. Uh, depending on your scores, you, you qualify for specific jobs. And you go, find it. You can enlist for three, four, five years. Uh, they'll try to haggle with you, make deals with you, this and that. Once you sign the contract, for example, you, you got a look on your face. When I say haggle with you, they may say, hey, if you join for five years, if you enlist for five years, we'll guarantee you the rank of corporal or the rank of sergeant. We'll guarantee you your duty station. You know, it's, it's really they're trying to sell the military. Mm -hmm. Me, I didn't want any guarantees. Right. I wanted to go in for three years. I wanted to do what my father did. That was the only guarantee I asked for, which they couldn't give me. Right. Because he was an officer. So mm -hmm. they couldn't give me that. guarantee. So at that point, I want to do what I want to do. You know, and again, they they tried to, you know, if you do four years, we'll give make sure you get corp. You get five years. We'll make now nah, I'll earn my own. And so I went in for three years thinking I was going to get out after three years. So, again, that's the mindset I want you to keep as you ask me the questions. I did not plan to stay for, until I retired. I did not. Had no intentions. Go in, get my head right, come on out, and do what I do. So after you pass the ASVAB, you, you qualify for certain jobs. What kind of jobs can you expect to be doing in the military? Any job you have on the outside, you got an, in the military. Air traffic controller, engineers, uh, military police. Uh, obviously, I wanted to be a drill instructor. You've got... Um, What's a drill instructor? I'm sorry. Those are the ones who train you in boot camp. Okay. Okay. But you have to spend time in before you can become a, a drill instructor. So okay. we go back. Um, people that work on roads, people that work in hospitals, whether it's uh, doctors, nurses, nurses, assistants, uh, people who draw your blood, you know, cardiologists, all the professions, whether medical, dental, um, you've got chaplains in the military, chaplains, aides, you've got... Uh, administrative positions, you've got supply and logistics, you've got intelligence, you've got, um, I mean, so again, anything you think of, and I apologize for not being able to rattle them, but it truly is, anything you see on the outside has a partner on the inside. Mm -hmm. I see. I see. So do you remember which jobs you qualified for after you took your test? Yeah, my scores were pretty high, so I could do any job I wanted to in the military. Um, what I chose was recon. I chose infantry, infantry because I wanted my father at one point was in recon. So I wanted to do that. And I did. And can you explain what recon is? Um, it's uh, an elite force of the military, of the Marine Corps. So the Army has special forces and rangers. Uh, the Navy has their SEALs. Um, I can't remember what the name for the Air Force is. I apologize. But everybody has that branch or that piece of the branch. And I wanted to be part of that. Mm. I see. And you said it was called recon. And is that short for something? Recon? What does that stand for? Reconnaissance. 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 Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So I'm still trying to get to the idea behind the word, though, because I understand you're a special force. But what is this force? What's the purpose of this force? What do, What are you doing? Um. Like, are you you're out collecting information? You're doing special missions. Uh, you're protecting units. Um, you go where big units don't go. Hmm. Okay. I'm starting to get the idea. 
Okay. <laughs> Starting to get the idea. Okay. Understood. So take I, I me. Figured... Yeah, yeah. But take me to boot camp now because you passed the test and you said that you wanted to do exactly what your father did. To the best of my ability. Right. So when I pass the test, I go to a recruiter, mm-hmm. right? Recruiter, again, tries to sell you on what they need, not what you want. They try to sell you on what they need. Um, but obviously knowing a little bit about the military, I knew what I wanted to do and I wasn't going to do anything else. So once I got my contract, read through it, signed my contract, you swear in right then. Right? Swear in? What yeah, you know, I, I, I swear to protect, defend, you know, this nation, constitution, da, da, da. Okay. Most people think you're in the military at that point, and you are quasi. But when you go to go through a process before you go to boot camp, there's another station. It's called MEPS. Don't ask me what MEPS stands for because I can't remember. Okay. I apologize. But it's where everybody comes right before they shift off. Every branch is there, whoever's going to boot camp at that time. And then you get re-sworn in. If you don't re-swear in, then you're out. You, you walk away. <laughs> but most people, And they don't tell you that. They don't tell you that. And so people think when you swear in, once you sign your contract, that you're in the military. Right. And you are, but you have an out, which they don't tell you. Why okay? don't they tell so, you? Because uh, maybe people would leave. Because, mm. <laughs> you know, you have that period of time, you may get buyer's remorse. Yes. So, so now I'm in uh, at, at MEPS. I go from MEPS, I go to boot camp. From Marine Corps, you're going to arrive at night. Trust me. They make sure of that. Why? And so... Because it's part of the uh, confusion and chaos they're going to create, so they can break you and rebuild you into a military oh, like mar- test. Um, yeah, okay, we'll we'll accept that that terminology. Well, I'm asking, I'm asking. It's not, it's not a test; it's just a process that they uh, use. Okay. that has that has seen dividends, right? So you come in, you're on a bus, you get off the bus, people are yelling and screaming at you. Get on the line, get on the footprints, get on the footprints. Boom! Right then and there. They're sizing you up, right? Because we got to take all you individuals and make a team. What do you mean sizing you up? Can you explain that? Yeah, I mean, who who looks like they're nervous? Who who seems like they they they're gonna handle this? Who's gonna freak out? Who's not? Uh, who's shaking in their boots? Who can follow directions? Who who's got attitude? They're doing all of those things. I mean, in 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 moments, because pretty soon then they're gonna boom. All right, at attention. Some people know what that is. Some people don't. So then they're going to explain that to you. Left face. Some people know how to do it. Some people don't. So from that point, they start teaching you step by step what it means to be a Marine. Or I, I would assume in any other branch, their their boot, boot camp or basic training, as some people call it, uh, would prepare you to be whatever that branch is. Mm-hmm. And so you go through boot camp. And then you're given your advanced school, what some people call the A school. So you go there. If you're infantry, you go to infantry training school. If you're if if you're a medic, you're going to go to medic school. If you're an admin, you're going to go to administrative. So you're going to learn more skills specifically to that job. Boot camp, everybody's taught the same thing, right? Because at in the Marine Corps, at the end of the day, everybody is a basic infantryman. If if you're an admin and you're in the combat zone. Stuff goes wrong, you got to pick up a gun and, and fire like everybody else, right? If you're a cook, the same thing. Every See, this this is that school where everybody carries a gun, hmm. okay. right? You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that's the training. Everybody goes to the obstacle course. Everybody learns how to swim. Everybody learns how to shoot. Uh, everybody learns military history and doctrine. So everybody learns, everybody learns how to march. 
uh, one, to be in sync with your partner, one, to be able to take directions, right? So all of that stuff is important to building, in this case, a Marine. Okay. Now let's back up to, to boot camp and, and tell me about your personal experience in boot camp because when I, when I think of boot camp, I'm thinking, like you said, people screaming at you, like you're crawling around in the mud doing the obstacle courses, learning how to shoot guns. But how long does it last? What does your day-to-day life look like in boot camp? So every day is a little different, but the basic. You get up around 4.30 in the morning, um, brush your teeth and all of that. Then you got PT. You go PT? From PT. Physical training, sorry. Okay. Physical training. Then you, you, you go from physical tra- training, you go to breakfast. You go from breakfast, you come back, you get a short period of time to shower, shave, uh, get your uniform on, and get back in. Then you're going to have classes all day, different types of classes, whether it be uh, sitting in a classroom and you know with a book, whether it be marching, whether it be physical fitness, whether it be uh, learning your rank insignia, all of those, you're going to learn all of that stuff, right? And so every day, then, well, I'm sorry, then there's going to be some more PT. You're going to PT two or three times a day. And if you get in trouble, you're going to PT even more. Uh, you're going to march everywhere you go. You're going to march because, again, that's part of being in sync with one another. And so when you leave that, uh, you go to dinner. You leave dinner. You go back. There's there's question and answering with your drill instructors, a little time with them. Then shower and you stand there, get inspected and go to bed. You say you stand so, there and get inspected. What do you mean? Yeah. So you stand on you stand in order. So there's a barracks or squad bay. And that right? is what? Um, that's where you're going to sleep. That's okay. your house. Barracks is and the house. On, barracks is the house. And it's probably 50 to 75 bunk beds in there. Okay. So somebody's, And there's a little office. There's big shower area, restroom area. And, and I'm going off memory. And there's a uh, supply closet supply room there and so yeah you once you take your shower they got to make sure your hygiene is up they got to make sure you cut your fingernails they're gonna make sure you brush your teeth they're gonna make sure you wash yourself you know so you stand there online and the drill instructors will come and inspect you and then you have a rag buddy somebody sleeps on top somebody sleeps on bottom that's it and then you have what's called a fire watch somebody is on duty all night typically in two hour uh intervals right making sure no fires break out and there's no emergency because if it is, somebody's got to wake everybody up. Mm-hmm. All right. Now that's mimicking war because if you're at war, everybody can't sleep at the same time. Right. But you got to sleep sometime. And so what would you call the fire watch is the one roving around, making sure the enemy's not trying to come over the line. I see. I see. see but- so everything you do is preparing you for, Right, but if if we're in boot camp and everybody's on the same schedule day to day, and you got firewatch tonight, do you then sleep during the day, or tonight you just oh, don't sleep? You just don't get your two hours. It's only two hours. Oh, okay, okay. 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 So you get two hours, and somebody's going to relieve you, and somebody's going to relieve them. Or if it's four hours, somebody's going to relieve you in four hours. Da da da. So no, nah, you you don't get to make up that time. They're not going to let you say, oh yeah, Anthony, you go ahead and sleep a couple extra hours, man. Please, if anything, they're going to make you stay up. <laughs> I see. But everything, again, everything prepares you for if you have to go to war, mm-hmm. right? We have a saying, the more you, you sweat in peacetime, the less you bleed in war because you got to be ready. Right. Now, when you're in boot camp, 
you're taking all your orders and instructions from the drill instructor? Correct. And, I, and it's three of them, typically three of them. Every now and then it's four. So you have a senior drill instructor, and then you have at least two junior drill instructors. And then you have every now and then, depending on when the drill instructor classes graduate, right, from DI school, drill instructor school, you'll have someone who, what you call a red dog, they're learning on the job learning apprentice right? basically exactly okay now we're talking about grown men and women here so i imagine with the egos involved and there has to be some you're not telling me what to do is going on right so what happens in a situation where we have a defiant marine in training um they're dealt with they're not defiant that long can you be more <laughs> can you be more specific <laughs> when you say well, dealt with yeah, I mean, it, it could be anything. I mean, from having a stern conversation with one of the drill instructors to being sent home and a whole bunch of stuff in between. I guess we'll leave it there. <laughs> I guess we'll <laughs> leave it there. Dealt with is good yeah. enough. If you get out of line, yes. they will either put you back in line or send you home. Or you, you will have an option of going home. Okay. Right? Okay. Now, at that point, because you're sworn in at that point, so is that considered a dishonorable discharge? And, and again, it depends on what happens. Oh, okay. Right? If, if you just stand there, you know, nose to nose, F you, I'm not doing it. Oh, yeah, you're going to be out on a bad conduct discharge. Mm -hmm. It could be for the good of the service. You know, maybe you, you wake up and say, there's no way I can go through this. Uh, uh, I don't believe in killing people. Mm -hmm. You know, again, that doesn't work for everybody. It depends on when you use it, right, when you say that stuff. And you may have to go through psyche vows and stuff like that because it's not a way just to go, oh, I changed my mind. I don't want to do this anymore. So I, right. I'm going to say I'm a conscious objector. No, nah, that don't work. That don't work. Right. But again, like I said, anything from a stern conversation all the way up to discharge. Right. So boot camp, just to sort of summarize, the purpose of boot camp is to prepare each and every person in there for the worst case scenario. Like if we have to go to war, you can at least hold your own. Yes. And there's a lot more things in there. Right. Because, again, you're tearing down individuals, building a team. Right. People who can count on one another in case you got to go to war. Right. Because the worst thing would be looking at the enemy to your front and having, the, you know, your teammates as enemies behind you. Right. Right. So you've got to build those teams. You also have to create a knowledge base that certain, you know, certain things you say, everybody knows what you mean. Right. Everybody knows. And so that's part of the education. You want to know the history, because if you don't know your history, you're bound to repeat it. And so there's some good things you want to repeat and there's some bad things you don't want to do over. So you better learn that. You better learn how to get on an Amtrak or get off an Amtrak. It's an Amtrak. You better learn. Uh, it's, a, it's a troop transport that goes into battle. It's it's a tank without without guns. OK. OK. It just carries people, mm -hmm. carries troops on there. Um, you better know how to repel out of a helicopter or off the side of a building if need be, right? You better know how to swim. And so all of those things are crammed into, for the Marine Corps, that 13 and a half weeks. 13 right? and a half weeks. Okay. Then, remember, you go to your advanced school. So you've learned how to be a basic Marine. Now go learn your job, whatever that job is. Then go do your job. And heavens forbid, war breaks out or you've got to go, you're prepared. You're prepared. Because guess what you're doing once you get to your unit? You're doing the same thing, <laughs> right? If, if, you're, if, you're, 
if you're a combat arms person, which means the infantry, uh, intel, uh, uh, engineering, those people that go to battle, supply, you're you're still training. You train every day, mm-hmm. whether whether you go to the field. Field means you go out and practice your maneuvers and or war. Whether you go to a school to practice certain and get certain knowledge and, and expertise and certain skills, or whether you're practicing your marching or you're studying or you're learning new doctrine, that's what the military is. It's it's a way to ensure that freedom. As, as we in the United States of America understand it, remains. Because if, if you don't have that, who's going to protect it? So. so if I can equate it to something, boot camp would be like a four-year bachelor's degree and then you go and get your master's in something that you specialize in. And for, you know, how long is the A school? How long does that last? It depends. It depends. It, anywhere from uh, two months to... 18 months, depending on what the job is. Okay. You know, if you're going to go in and be a, a dental assistant, you're going to spend more time in school than in the infantry. Right. Because, again, that training daily is giving you all of that. Where, as a dental hygienist or dental assistant, you got to learn all the little scalpels and picks and pressures and all mm-hmm. of that. I see. Can you, can you remember anything or any moments or situations that stick out in your memory from boot camp? I remember everything from boot camp. I remember the first day I got off the, the bus. Tell me about uh, it. Because I, I was one of those guys that, you know, had a little attitude. I, I already know what the Marine Corps is about. I grew up in the Marine Corps. Ain't nothing y'all can do. Mm-hmm. But they fixed me real quick. Trust me. When you got about eight people standing around and you're pulling and pushing and yelling at you, you know. I mean, actually, matter of fact, because, um, you know, I think I'm quite stylish. I had on a pair of boots, some, you know, some baggy trousers, nice little shirt. Man, they ripped my shirt off me and everything. Yeah. And guess what? Remember I told you about Firewatch? Mm-hmm. Guess who had the first Firewatch? I did. So they found out very quickly they needed to break me in order to build me. Mm-hmm. And they did. And they did. <laughs> so, hey, it's all right. It's all good. So, I, yeah, I do remember boot camp. I remember the first time uh, the unit, our, our platoon, got in trouble. And we, we got what they call... PT'd. We had some extra physical training. Uh, I remember the first inspection. I remember what they call the bridge over troubled waters, which are, you ever heard of pugil sticks? Yes. Okay, so pugil sticks is a form of fighting, right? So it's mimicking you fighting with your rifle, right? The other guy has a rifle. But okay. see, there's pads, right? So you're not really hurting each other, but you're standing on a bridge, which is about 18 inches wide, and you, you're trying to knock each other in the water. Because, again, you're fighting for your life, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I remember that one. I remember because, not to be arrogant, I didn't get beat. So one of the drill instructors went against me. And I can proudly say when I knocked his butt in the water, then we moved on. So um, I I remember what you call drill, right? That's marching. I remember every time we did that because I loved it. You know, I loved them singing cadence. Cadence is a, a rhythmic way of, of telling people left, right, left, right. Okay. Right. So uh, I loved hearing different uh, drill instructors sing cadence. Most of them. Some of them couldn't, couldn't, you know, they couldn't do anything. They, it was boring. Uh, I, I remember every P, every PFT, physical fitness test, right? So in the Marine Corps, you do 20 pull-ups. If you want a perfect score, 20 pull-ups, 
80 sit-ups in two minutes, and you run three miles in less than 18 minutes, right? So I made sure that I always had a perfect PFT. That was, it was non-negotiable for me. Mm-hmm. And so in order to do that, um, that's the way it is. You just got to work out. You got to work at it. You got to be mentally strong, emotionally strong, physically strong, spiritually strong, because it's, it's, it's not a game. You asked me earlier what kind of jobs they had in the military. What we didn't talk about, what else do they have in the military? Football, basketball, track and field, uh, softball. Not at the professional level, but there have been people who've played in the military and gone on and played professionally as well. Right. So we play a lot of college teams, uh, but they, they have all the same sports on the outside. We have them on the inside. Right. It's not like, oh, my God, what's going on on that base? Life. Life is going on. Mm-hmm. The difference is we, we train very hard. We train to stay alive. We train to protect this nation and stay alive. I, so, for example, like I've been watching football games, like college football games, and you see the Navy on the side of the helmet. That's the actual Navy football team? No, that is the Naval Academy. That is the Navy College. Ah, okay. So uh, you have the Air Force Academy. That's a college, mm-hmm. right? You have West Point, which is the Army College. Not, It's the equivalent to USC or Notre Dame or Harvard. It's a true actual college. And then the Naval Academy, uh, it hurts me to say what I'm going to have to say, but both Navy and Marine officers come out of the Naval Academy. Okay. So the Marine Corps doesn't have an academy. I see. I see. So what you're saying is basically because a lot of people do wonder what is life like in the military, but I think it's because a lot of people think when you join the military, you get shipped off and you go fight in whatever war is happening at the time. But if there's no war... You're just really living your life just like everybody else. You're just on base instead of in, you know, civilization, for lack of a better term. And we call it uh, civilians and and active duty. Right. Okay. so either are in in, you're either a civilian or you're an active duty military guy. Right. That's the way it is. Or gal. So um, give you another example. David Robinson. You ever heard that name? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Seven foot played basketball went to the Naval Academy, right, on scholarship, did his time, did two years in the reserves as a submarine officer, then was allowed to go to the NBA, even though he was drafted after he graduated. He had to do his military service first. I see. Yeah. Um, So, okay, that was just another example. But, yes, you're absolutely right. If there's no conflict, we don't call them wars anymore, we call them conflicts. (laughs) There's no conflict going on. Depending on what your job is, right, in the military, that's what you're doing on a daily basis. So, again, if I worked in payroll and there's no war, I I still got to make sure everybody gets paid, right? If I'm working in supply, people are coming in and going out and getting out of the military, or Marine Corps in this case, every day. So I've got to take out, take in gear and hand out gear, Mm -hmm. right? If I've got, you know, if I work in sick bay, or excuse me, in urgent care, People get hurt and come to the urgent care on a daily basis. So that's my job. That's what I do. And that's why I was saying every job you see on the outside, there's a counterpart on the inside. Right. We have our, we have a judicial system in the military. You know, you have what's called a stab judge advocate, uh, which is an attorney. Right. So people get in trouble in the military, too. They need, they need uh, uh, legal representation as well. And we have our we have a prison system. Right. 
let's look at the county jail system being called the brig, right? Okay. Uh, if you get in trouble, you can be sent to the brig. Or, depending on what the crime is, you could go to what they call Fort Leavenworth, which is a federal penitentiary run by the military. Oh, Jesus. That sounds so fun. it's not, well, listen, let them do what they do. <laughs> Been there, never had a desire. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds it sounds like the the military in itself is sort of like an ecosystem. It's it's part of the country, but it's it's sort of separated in a way. It's its own special unit, but it's still just regular life. It's just contained by the military. Am I right? I yes. So if if you lived in a community where military people lived, the way you're going to tell them either by their haircut, typically, or if you see them in their uniform. Other than that, they're going to live the same life that you live, except when you go to work at Wells Fargo or Bank of America or the local hospital, or the local university, they're going on base to do their job. Mm -hmm. That's all. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. But a minute, well, not a minute ago, but a while ago, you said that we you guys do this military thing to protect what we as Americans know is freedom. So how do you right. define freedom? What do you mean by that? So, you know, if you look at the Constitution, right? the freedom of speech, the freedom of expression. A lot of countries, you don't have that. So we fight to protect that. In what country, other than America, do you know where you can just openly talk about the leader of that country without ramifications? Right now? Right? Yeah. Uh, maybe some countries in Europe, I'm sure you could do stuff like that, right? Maybe. Maybe not not to the level we can not even in England, Britain, they're 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 in Great Britain. There are still some rules that we don't have. Right. We look at the freedom of religion. There are countries out there where you have the freedom of religion, but not like it's not protected the way we protect it, if that makes sense. And so not that we do things that nobody does. We do those things to protect what we in America call freedom and we do it to a level, and this is this is my opinion. Somebody from across the waters may something say something different, but we have the finest fighting force in the world. In the world, period. Mm -hmm. Now, in order to keep it that way, people have to keep volunteering because we're we don't draft, right? There's there's no draft to say, oh, okay, Anthony, you turned eighteen, you're going to do the next two to four years in the military. It's truly a voluntary military. Do you think it so should be that way or should we be drafting people? Because that's a strange idea to make your citizens join the military, in my opinion. Well, I, I have I have uh, it depends on the day you ask me. Right. Because on some days I feel you have a responsibility to give back to this nation. Right. If you're going to live in this country, you should ha you have a right. I mean, you have a responsibility to spend some time protecting it, protecting your way of life that you benefit from. On the other days, I enjoy the fact that it's a voluntary military because those people who go in want to be there. Exactly. See, so I, it, it depends. And it works for America because when history will show you when there's a conflict or when they were calling them wars, wars, everybody wants to join the military to protect what we call freedom. Mm -hmm. Right. So the military's never had a problem uh, after after Vietnam. Never had a problem getting people to go join to join. When you say protect like freedom of speech, for example, freedom of expression, 
is it is it literally that another country is trying to take that from us? Like, why? How are we protecting our well, freedom of speech? Well, let me make sure I say this right. So let's look at um, let's look at somebody we aren't best friends with, right? Let's look in the Middle East, right? Okay. They don't have the same ability to free, speak freely like we do. So if they came to attack us and took us over, what happens to that freedom you now enjoy? Oh, Falls that's what you mean. Okay. So we have to protect and make sure they can't take us, you know, come come in, uh, uh, take control of, of America. Now, for, for somebody like me or anybody else listening who has absolutely no military experience, can you maybe explain to somebody the idea that there's a threat out there because a lot of people myself included were like life is fine we don't see any threat what are you talking about we need protection you know so what's your response to comments like that well, i'll just give you some examples let's just look at 9-11 just stop at 9-11 what happened uh people from the middle east flew a plane into the pentagon mm-hmm. right? flew a plane into the uh world trade center Right. They didn't do that because, oh, let me go out for a joyride. It was a, a an intentional act to break down the securities that we have here in America. So that's why we do what we do. And so when you think, oh, nothing's going on, that's because you have military and what we call in every climate in place in every climate and every place around the world protecting us. 24-7. Yeah, that's another interesting thing is that I don't know of any other country that has military bases all around the world like that. And I'm obviously not that educated when it comes to military. But what is the purpose and why do other countries allow us to build military bases on their soil? Okay. Remember, I said we have the finest fighting force in the world. Right. So our allies, our friends want us there. Uh uh-huh. Okay. Right. And it's also a forward protection and letting my enemy know, right? Hey, I'm right here. Mm-hmm. So let's have no foolishness. Right. So that would be like you playing defense and me playing offense in the football game. Right. You don't want me to score and I want to score. So you're, as a defense, you're saying to me, before you get to the goal line, you got to go through me. Military saying before you get to America, you're going to go through us. Mm. And it gives us an opportunity to get to places faster than if we all were coming from America. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. And I imagine life on those bases is just like life on American bases. Where else? Yes, sir. Okay. Okay. Hmm. And you were, when did you, what year was it when you joined the military? 1983. 83. So for a lot of people that maybe don't understand the the dynamics of our country, I imagine that your experience as a black man in the military in the 80s was a lot different than maybe a black man's experience today. So can you speak I'm on sure. that maybe? Yeah, I'm sure it was. Uh, and I'm making the assumption you're talking about all the racial inequities. Racism. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now for me, and again, I don't want to stand on my soapbox. I believe racism, racism exists today. It's just at a different level, and they try to do it more overtly, right? So uh, personal example, I've been called the N-word. What's the know. N-word? 
Okay, so for your podcast, nigga, nigger, nick, all of those to me are very offensive. So when you say that to me, remember I said in boot camp you got dealt with? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to deal with you, period. Don't matter your rank. Don't matter your, 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 your size. Don't matter your, your ethnicity. It's just what we do. And so we, we, we dealt with those. We dealt with uh, uh, our, our white brethren getting promoted before us, even though they didn't deserve it before us. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That, that's the way life is. But for me, this is not something you can complain about. It's just something you force them to promote you. You show them. If you really want to go to battle, and you got to make a choice now. You want to go to that guy you keep giving rank to or you want to go to somebody who's going to help you come home alive. And so that in itself starts to push the envelope. Um, and, and that's the way I handle it. Yeah, but racism was there. It was heavy. It was heavy there. Um, really didn't understand, to be honest, didn't understand racism as much until I got in the military. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, again, it's a small part of the country, right? Remember, you have America, right. and you have the military inside of that. So now I'm faced with it every day because guess what? Whether it was the 13 and a half weeks in boot camp, the two plus months in my A school, and now with my unit who I spend predominantly all day and half the night with, I'm learning these people. You know, there, there was a guy who, who had a swastika tattooed on. <laughs> to his dismay, he got in trouble and then had to go to the brig. Well, what we heard was once he got to the brig, they were doing something. He took his T-shirt off. Some people saw it and dealt with them. Mm-hmm. You, you understand? So, they're, they're, yeah, unfortunately, it's there. And I wish I could say, oh, it was just only the enlisted. Nah, officers too. And guess what? Not just your white officers. Black officers were prejudiced. Asian officers, Hispanic. All it, It's just, it's America. Just because you joined the military, you don't. You don't kick that stuff to the side. We hope you would, because guess what? Go ahead and call me that on the battlefield. See what happens, right? Who going to watch you back on patrol tonight, right? Who may frag you or may not frag you? So, yeah, unfortunately, we're still dealing with it. Uh, I'm not in today, but I would I would say they, they're still dealing with it because the nation is still dealing with it. We deal with the same issues in the military that we do in the nation. Yeah, that that's kind of my point though. Is like you're going to war with these people, and the person standing next to you, you know, just because maybe they're of different, different like ethnic influence, they don't they hate you, you hate them, or whatever. But it's that has to weigh on your mind at some point. That you can't even rely on the person next to you in a firefight. Well, I I have to rely on them, and they have to rely on me. That's the key. You rely on each other. So think about this. Uh, In your job today, you may or you may not like everybody you work with. Don't mean you guys don't do the work. Work still got to get done. On a simple term, it's the same thing. The difference is, uh, well, let me use this analogy. If you're a police officer, Mm -hmm. right, and you're riding in the car, your partner may be racist. And you guys get in a gunfight. Ain't no different than the military. Well, yeah, but I think the difference between police officers and military and like photographer is this life mm-hmm. and death we're talking about. You You're know? right. You're right. You're right. I mean, but there, there, it's still life, is what I'm saying. Yeah, it's still life. I understand. And again, how, how are you? What what test is there 
that you give prior to joining the military that says you're prejudiced or not prejudiced? There isn't one. Right. And so you deal with it. But you have your own intuitions and you have your own way of gauging those people you deal with because they're your work colleague and those you enjoy being with. And when it's time to go to work, you go to work and you got the same mission. The mission is seek out, locate, close with and destroy the enemy. Or repel the enemy's assault. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, everybody comes home alive. That's the mission. Everybody got the same mission. So you can go ahead and, you know, not not want to go on patrol with the blacks or the Hispanics or or the whites, whatever. Go on out there by yourself and see how it works for you. Mm-hmm. So uh, part of that from day one, breaking you down, building you up is trying to turn you into. Uh, and, and I don't want to give you like it's naive, but to turn you green. Right. Greens are green. They're not black, white, orange or whatever. They're just green. This is what we do. Period. Period. And for somebody who doesn't understand what you just said, when you say everybody's green, why are they green? Because you try not to see color. I mean, don't again, I don't want to don't be naive. You're always going to know who black, who white, who's Hispanic. But out there, you're, you're just Marines. You're just teammates trying to get the job done. Right. But why the color green, though? Because that's the color of our uniform. OK. OK. Yes. Yeah. That's the color of our uniform. Yeah. Now, why in the, a lot of people around the world wonder why is a job in the military, like being a part of the American military, such a prestigious profession or prestigious occupation? Because, one, it's the best training in the world. Um, you go to college and um, trying to think of oh, a photographer, mm-hmm. right? You're going to learn the same thing. But you're going to learn it on the job. You're going to learn some classroom. Then you're going to go out there and perform it a lot sooner than you are when you go through college. Because guess what? That's your job. And that's what you do on a daily basis. You don't sit there and read, read, read. And, you know, two years down the road. Oh, no, you're going to be doing your job after your A school. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be expected to be proficient. And if you're not, they're going to train you up. Period. So, uh, again, when we have the best training. And, and, and I would match military training against university training any day of the week, any day of the week. And here's an example. Take an, take an 18 to 20 year old kid, right, out of college, put them on a nuclear sub and trust them to do that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Navy does it every day. Think about that. The Navy does it every day. How about taking the same age group? Let's expand it maybe to 22, maybe 24 mm-hmm. and put them in an air traffic tower and let them control the landing of planes. The military does that every day. You, you, you see what I'm saying? So the reason I'm telling you it's the best training in the world, because in no other no other area would you do that? Would you do that? Yeah, that's definitely true. Wait, a question I have now, I'm sitting here curious. Why do you think that actual universities haven't adopted that model? My my humble opinion, yeah. it's all about the money. It's all about the money. Military is not about money. Military is about staying alive and protecting the nation. But the universities, see, they rely on people paying uh, uh, entry fees and taking classes over and mm-hmm. all of those things, right? Military doesn't do that. Military don't have time to retrain you. We want you to get it right the first time. We will if we have to, but that's not our goal. 
I see. I see. Where does how many people on average right now do you know are in the military? Oh, I don't know, but the Marine Corps has about 252,000. 252,000. Okay, yeah, let's focus it's, on It's the small smallest branch of the military. Okay, I have another question. Why do you think that is? Why do you think they're the smallest? Okay, see, so you're humbling me again because I have to admit that the Marine Corps is a department of the Navy, right? Okay. But Marine Corps is, by constitution, the only branch that the President of the United States without Congress can send into battle. And why is that? Um, I don't know why, but it's, it's, it's um, legislated um, years ago, many, many, way before I joined the military. And plus, we some bad dudes, man. That's what we do. If it, if it has to be done, send in the Corps. We got you. Mm. That's my sound bite. <laughs> we'll put that at the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> That's my sound bite, you know. Damn. No, but seriously. Um, yeah. So the Army is the largest. I don't mm-hmm. know what they have. Um, and, and the Marine Corps is the smallest. Okay, so let's focus on the Marine Corps. Um, okay. The you got military bases, Marine Corps bases all over the country and all over the world, and all these people are getting uniforms. They're being fed. They're being housed. Where is this money coming from? Who's paying for all of this? Taxpayers are paying for it. it. Comes from the government. So let's back up. When you talk about the Marine Corps, we don't have a lot of bases. We're on a lot of bases, but we don't have a lot of Marine Corps bases. You have a Marine Corps oh, base, okay. uh, Camp Pendleton, which is where. California, mm-hmm. uh, Camp Lejeune, which is in North Carolina. You have Okinawa, right? And then we have a reserve unit in Louisiana. That's Marine Corps. That's where our units are. Really? But we're farmed out everywhere else. Yeah. So if there's a Navy base, there's some Marines on there. Navy ship, Marines are on there. Uh, Navy installation, yeah, Marines are on there. You know, uh, Marine security guards, you know, the embassies and you know, so, yeah, we're everywhere. That doesn't change the answer to your question, but I just wanted to make sure you understood. There's not a whole bunch of Marine Corps bases around the world. But when you ask me, how do, how, how do we get paid? Because we get a regular paycheck, right? And uh, where it comes from, our money comes from the government. So if you ever heard of the defense bill, part of that will be for our salaries and those things. And what is the defense bill? Uh, it's something that the uh, Congress and the president and the Senate have to vote on to pass every year what that budget will be. Okay. The the, the amount of money the government is going to spend on the military, national That's defense. Right. There you go. Okay. Okay. So you said California, South Carolina or North Carolina? No, North Carolina. North Carolina, Louisiana is the reserves, and then Okinawa, right. Japan. That's it. Okay. Now, why? Another question I have is why is the military split up into different branches like that? Why isn't it everybody just one has military? Because it's different roles, right? Okay. Marine Corps is air, land, and sea, right? Eagle, globe, and anchor. The Army is a ground force, right? They have planes, but they're a ground force. Mm-hmm. The Navy is waterways. The Air Force is the airway, right? We're kind of a hybrid. We we tout and we can do it all, and I don't mean that negatively because. The, the ships will take us if we've got to go on the water. The planes will take us if it's too far to walk or ride, right? You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So 
but everybody has their own mission. Okay. That makes sense. So you joined the recon. Is it the recon uh, department? Reconnaissance. Right, reconnaissance, but like the reconnaissance section. What do you call the, it? The reconnaissance marine. Period. Oh, okay. And um, so after you finish a school and you start doing your job, where did you go personally? To my unit. Which was where I'm saying. Was it in California? California. Okay. And you stayed at Camp Pendleton for how long? Uh, three years. Three years. Then I went to Marine Security. Then I went to the drill field. No, I went back back to Pendleton. Then I went to the drill field. Then I went into uh, a different uh, different area of the Marine Corps. And then I went to Virginia to train. Um, then I got stationed in Virginia. Then I got stationed in Japan, came back to Virginia, got off active duty and joined the reserves. Okay, so when you went from Pendleton to, um, I can't remember what you just said, but you said you went to a different department. I'm guessing you did a different job in the military, which was what? Went into Intel. Intelligence. Okay. Okay. And we're talking like, um, let me think of an example. Like, I find a way into your country and you don't know about it type of intelligence and gathering information. So we can prevent that, yes. I see. We can prevent people from coming. Oh, okay, okay, okay. More of a defense than an offense. Would you say that? At times. You got to do them all. You got, it's okay. a football game, right? So you got to do offense, defense, and special teams. Okay. Hmm. What was the most memorable moment from your time in the military? Uh, I guess I would say uh, Desert Shield, Desert Storm. And what is that? Uh, that was a conflict where, where uh, American troops were sent to Saudi Arabia to assist the Saudis in blocking out uh, Saddam and his men from coming to take over the country. And so we called it uh, Desert Shield because we were blocking, right? And then as we moved up, uh, somewhere it turned into a storm where we then had to attack uh, because there was no peace being made. Proverbial storm. Correct. Okay. Right, we were the storm. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So the Allied forces became the storm. First it was the shield, right? We shielded Saudi and Kuwait, and then we had to storm. Um, And that was probably the most memorable not just because of that piece, but there were some things that happened in there that are etched in my head and can't go nowhere. Mm, I see. And there are other things in other places, but yeah, um, first time I jumped out of a plane, that that's memorable. I mean, the first day and the last day of boot camp were very memorable. So, I mean, there's just, I, I, I couldn't even give you one, mm. to be honest. There's so many. Um, I've got friends that I've known since that time, you know, still friends to this day that that's very memorable because mm-hmm. coming from different uh, areas of the United States, uh, different ethnicities, uh, different backgrounds and, and upbringing. But not if you see us together, you wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't see it. So. Mm-hmm. 
You ever wish you could go back to that time? If I could go back physically as well. I don't <laughs> want to go back at 55. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I need my body to be fit as I was then. Then, yeah. I, oh, yeah. I do it. I do it all over again. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't change a thing. Now, if I could keep the knowledge I have and go back with that body I had then and, and oh, yeah, man, please. Yes. Send me today. Uh, because, again, the mission hasn't changed. I would go. I, I had a ball. I mean, I didn't. The, the Marine Corps is awesome. People in the military, just like in civilian world, it's the people that either make it or break it. Right. So, yeah. The, but the the in my humble opinion, the military is a, a young man's game. Right. Because as you get older, uh, you can't do the physical stuff like you used to. Um, so now you, you have to use your brain. And mm -hmm. I'm OK with. You know, I'm okay becoming an advisor, an instructor, you know, yep, I'm, I'm good. As long as we still have that voluntary fighting force that have the same yearning that I had uh, when I went in. And, and I was focused. I, I want to go. I want to do. I want to come home. So, I got two questions now because, well, the first one is how does a person – rise in rank in the military because like you said you start everybody starts at the bottom i imagine unless you work a deal with your recruiters or something like that so let's back up two two sides and i'm only going to focus on the marine corps okay right everybody has their own little way but the marine corps you're going to start up as a private or you're going to start off as a lieutenant as an officer okay and the difference is what uh one has a college degree typically uh and signed on to be an officer uh, and the officers are like management and the enlisted are like the workers. OK. OK. So um, in the Marine Corps, and I may get these dates wrong. So uh, I think after six months, you pick up from private to private first class. I think in 18 months, you pick up Lance Corporal and then you have to compete to pick up Corporal Sergeant, Staff Sergeant Gunny on and on. OK. You can do it what they call time and grade, you, or you can do it meritoriously. Meritoriously is because someone believes you've done something or you've proven yourself to a manner in which your rank should be increased. Right. So that can happen like that. Uh, or in a battle, the senior person gets shot, gets gets dead, and you can get what's called a field promotion. That's another way of getting. Okay. okay? I see. Whether you're an officer or an enlisted. All right. Now, what about your body? Because I know personally your story, but <laughs> how did being in the military affect not, well, I guess your mind and your body? How did, what did it affect you or how did it affect you? Um, make sure I understand your question. Physically, uh, I, I've got bumps and bruises. Um, whether it be. You can definitely be more total, specific. Whether it be a total knee replacement. I've had my quadriceps repaired prior to the knee replacement. I've had five knee surgeries. I've had shoulder surgery. I popped my Achilles. Um, trying to think what else. Uh, I've got a lower back. I fell out of a tree onto another tree, so my back is screwed up. And that's all from the military. So if you ask me physically, those are my physical ailments. But at some point, I was also in the best shape of my life mm. uh, because of the training that we did. Uh, and because of the, the healthy competitions that we did while we were training. And it wasn't like the military set it up. No, uh, we could be in a weight room 
and my buddy next to me got, you know, 225 on the bench press, you want to do 230. And so you're working to be the workout. So everybody's physically fit. Uh, you may be playing basketball and, you know, he's dunking. So you got to dunk. Or you may be in the pool. He's swimming five laps. So you want to swim 10, you know. So that helps you become physically fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, emotional, you know, anytime you see some of the things military people see, you can get scarred. I'm, I'm sure I have those memories uh, from, of things. Um, so, yeah, there's some emotional stuff that's still there. I've made friends that, that I, like I said, I've had for a lifetime. Those, those are great things. I've been places where I couldn't pay to go. You know, my, my wallet doesn't stretch that far. Um, so some of the worst places where you had to go to do something were some of the most beautiful places to see, you know, as far as the countryside. Right. Um, so, yeah, scars, eh, just uh, life. I call it life happens, you know. Because I can't tell you that I wouldn't have had a knee replacement if I never joined the military. But I, I can tell you what I do have because I joined the military. So Sounds like it's just part of the job. Part of the job. You know, I don't think any football player who had a great career would then start trying to complain about the little bumps and bruises they had along the way. Right. It was just part of the job. So that's the way I look at it. Why are Americans so patriotic, in your opinion? Um, I don't know. I, I can't answer that one. Um, for me, for me at least, uh, what I take America to stand for is freedom, right? And I'm not saying it's operated every day, but what I take from it, it's a way of life that I embrace, that I am, I was, and am willing to fight for to keep it, right? Um, that's to me, what it's all about. And I want to make sure that my kids, my children, excuse me, my children and my grandchildren, and if I'm so lucky, my great-grandchildren and my great-great-grandchildren are able to live under the same protections and the same freedoms that I have. Okay. Man, well, I think that's a good place to stop it. That was... uh. It's a good episode, I think, man. So I want to thank you for being here. Thank you for your time and for sharing your uh, your stories with us, man. I appreciate it. Always an honor. Have me back anytime you got time for me. I'll, I'll make sure I come back. All right, cool. Well, we're gonna get out of here. So that's all it. right, sir. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack 
for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.